the air in a plane is recycled, um, as in it filters through quite rapidly. So going on a plane isn't as dangerous being next to someone as being on a train. You have to look at your specific, well, where you're, not just where you're flying from, where you're going back to. It's not a question of safety versus need. I mean, there are ways to travel safely, definitely. Hi, I'm Emma and this is Trip Report. In today's episode, I'm going a little away from my usual format to bring you lots of tips and thoughts from a travel expert about where, how and when to travel from the UK right now. I hope that it brings you lots of value and information, whether you're on the fence about travel right now, thinking about next year's travel plans or are just curious about options at the moment. Where do you even begin to look into travel right now? We've got it all covered in this episode. Michelle Murray has been in the travel industry for 20 years and is passionate about helping her clients have amazing, safe trips around the world. But I'll let Michelle tell you fully about her background. Before we dive into the interview, if you find value in this podcast, please do hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review as it really makes my day to know you're enjoying my hard work. So here's Michelle. So welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thanks so much for coming on. Hello. Nice to meet you. So can we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your travel business? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Michelle Murray. Um, I've been in travel for 20 years now, which makes me sound really old. <laughs> and I started yeah, literally 20 years ago in a small, a smallish travel agent called Brisha World that was based in Camden. Um, and my passion, from tra- my passion in travel has grown since then, but also before then. Um, I did a few trips while at uni to things like Kibbutz and Cap America, as well as traveling to see family in Argentina. And I think when I started working in travel, it made me realize that this is literally what I want to do the rest of my life. What's your current travel business? So I work currently for travel counsellors. I've been at this company for about nearly six years now, actually. I started in December 2014. And I absolutely love it. Working at Travel Counselors is a different kind of business. You're basically your own boss. Um, but Travel Counselors are there to support you and obviously work out the contracts, etc. But for me, this is a perfect fit because it really is my own small business. I have my own clients. I have many repeat clients, which I love. Um, I have local clients from my village, but also from London, where I grew up, and further afield too. There's no limit on where my clients come from. But what I like best is that most of my clients are repeat and they also recommend their friends and family to me. So I've got quite a big client base now. And obviously on this episode, it's a little bit different to my normal format, but we're talking today about kind of booking holidays now. Should we be booking? How do we book? How do we go about even thinking about holidays? Because it's such a crazy time at the moment with the pandemic going on. Do where would you suggest that people kind of start? How do you even start to think about booking a holiday? Well, I'm not saying this just because I work for a company, but I would say you should book with a travel agent at the moment because, especially travel counsellors, we are well, all most companies, most travel agents will have your holiday covered by Atoll or Abta or both. But on top of that, we also have a travel counsellors trust. It just means that, in a way. It's not been great for us, but we protect every holiday. So if you book a package through me and the FCO advice changes next week, you will get a full refund. So you get that security, whereas you wouldn't get it if you book it separately. Um, But saying that, so actually looking, do you mean actual locations or how to book? 
Um, let's start with how to book, I guess. Yeah. So how to book. So in my kind of personal experience, you'd come to me and I'd look at the best places. So I have a whole list of places you can currently go to. Or I know also, well, I obviously can't predict the future, but I have have a list of countries in my mind where I think you'd be okay to go in the next few months. Um, but to be absolutely honest, I'm not really looking at booking many people for this year, but people are coming to me to book next year. Um, as the coronavirus pandemic continues, I've seen that some countries probably wouldn't be suitable for early next year. So I do have this knowledge and I do have access to information to kind of predict when you can go next year, but obviously no one really knows. But I also book most people on a flexible kind of way, so it can be changed even if things change. But um, if you're doing it alone, I'd say the first point of call is definitely look at the FCO websites for each country. I do follow a few different people on Twitter, and they give the numbers of increasing numbers, etc. But I think this pandemic is so unknown, it is a bit tricky predicting exactly where you can book right now. Some, some countries like Turkey seem pretty stable, Greece um, at the moment. And if someone wanted a last minute getaway, that's probably where, I'll, where I'd send them. Mm. Or a UK break, maybe. And what kind of countries are people, or would you suggest people look at for next year, early next year? And obviously, we sh- I should say that, full disclaimer, everything that we suggest, everything's changing on a sixpence at the moment. So. Yeah. You know, always please do check the the FCO website, like you say, and I'll put links to the websites that you're suggesting, Michelle, in the show notes. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll send you my Twitter links as well. That would be really helpful. Thank you. So if you're listening, you can find all those links below in the show notes. But yes, so what suggestions would you have for booking next year? And would you say to even book from January or are you finding that people are booking later out? So interestingly, I do have quite a few clients who have come to me with the same questions and say, where can we go in January? Um, January, February, March has kind of, most people acknowledge that that might be, because it's still during our spring, I guess, I'm sorry, our winter, um, there may be more restrictions. Generally, I'd encourage people to book for after April if possible. Um, but if I do want to go January, February, March, um, so... One couple are desperate to have their honeymoon in March. I've sent them to the Maldives because there are a few countries such as the Maldives and, um, well, Thailand, hopefully, if they let us in, who are doing so many checks before you get there that their COVID levels are really low. Um, Obviously, it's a bit cold to go to Europe. That's the only issue. So you'd have to go more long haul. Caribbean is probably a good bet because, as we speak at the moment, Caribbean, most of Caribbean is open and also the weather's pretty good January, February, March. Um, Do direct flights, because I don't recommend you going by America. Um, And are you talking about April onwards as well? Yeah, why not? Yeah, Yeah. because like, you know, people might be thinking about next summer as well and and April onwards, I, well, we don't know at the moment, but I would say Cyprus is a good bet at the moment because Cyprus at the moment, you can even go, sorry, lots of moments there. Um, so April onwards, if you're thinking about Easter holidays, a popular choice would be Cyprus. Um, Cyprus, also you have to have a COVID check before you go, so their levels are pretty low. And they seem to be managing the pandemic pretty well there. So Cyprus would be a good bet. Also, the Caribbean again, 
for April. Um, but going further into May, June, you can look at the Greek islands again. It's difficult to say whether the USA will be open. We don't know. And again, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, they have quite low levels, but they don't seem to be allowing British people in at the moment. So again, um, we have to monitor that. But um, I personally have a holiday book for April because I rebooked my holiday from last April. And I know a lot of people are in a similar situation where they rebooked last year's for next year's. And mine is to Mexico. And at the moment, it looks a bit of a no-go. But again, anything can change. So I'm going to cling on to the hope <laughs> until I have to issue the tickets, which will be February. And then by, the, by February, I'll, decide, I'll work out if I can go or not, if we can go. Um, and something that I've I've heard, um, I can't remember where I heard this now, but one thing that I've heard a couple of in different ways is people not really knowing before they went different things. So, for example, I heard one person say that they went to, it might have been, was it Amsterdam or Italy? Anyway, they didn't realise that they couldn't use a reusable mask on the plane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this would have yeah. yeah surgical grade yeah so I guess things like that booking with someone like yourself you're yeah. going to know all these inside little yeah. tricks whereas if you book separately like many people do and have done in the past you're not going to know those things and then like this guy said that he saw someone almost miss their flight because they had to go back to the main part of the airport to try and buy some bef like just before yeah. the gate closed kind of thing so it sounds like I'm plugging myself here, but those, that, is a, <laughs> that is a major reason why you book through me. They, I'm very, very anal when it comes to all the information that people need before they go. And um, obviously, you can look it up on the FCO website, but things like the mask are often missed. And actually, things are changing so quickly that unless you're fed all the information like I am, you can miss it easily. Um, even when we went to Corfu recently, uh, I knew that you had to do these forms online. 24 hours before you went but the thing that a lot of people were missing was that you had to put all the names on the form I knew this but there were people on a flight who did not know that and yeah. obviously they couldn't go and it's just thing yeah not plugging me not plugging my company but a travel agent has all that information as well as if that goes wrong you could call me or the duty office and we would change the flight for you etc so there's a lot of reasons why to book through a travel agent at the moment I'm finding people do realise that, which is lovely. Yeah, and I think that's one thing actually that's come out of this, which is positive for the travel industry, is that people are realising how beneficial it is to book with a travel agent rather than try and do it all themselves and jigsaw yeah. together. I mean, really, we don't... I mean, it's not it's not necessarily more expensive to book for a travel agent. And I get that some people love to do the whole thing themselves because it's a bit, it's a bit of fun, I guess, organising your own trip. But... There are so many risks involved at the moment. I mean, the fact that I can change the whole trip for you if the foreign office changes, etc., or get the refunds. I spent five hours on hold to EasyJet for a client the other day, um, which is basically me doing it in my time rather than them doing it and getting a resolution. So, yeah, definitely are benefits. <laughs> I mean, I booked, and if you've listened to the episode for my Florida trip, you, you'll know this, but I booked with Virgin when I went to Florida in February. Yeah. And I have to say, I do regret it. And I've said that I wouldn't book with them again, because 
they were just so hard to get hold of. Yeah. Um, and I always thought, again, you know, book through a travel agent and and that's the most important thing. But actually, I think going forward, I would book with a, a smaller travel agent like yourself, someone like yourself, because you are accessible on the end of the phone. Whereas with yeah. Virgin, you know, I was there for hours and then I got passed to someone else and they didn't really understand Disney and they didn't know that I had to link my tickets to my hotel and all this different Yeah. Um, and it was all these different things, and I was a bit. But by the time I realised it, I was so far in, and it was, you know, I'd paid all my deposits and everything. They are, um, no, I, I totally get that. Virgin do advertise themselves as being Florida, Florida, but um, so travel, travel councils is quite large. There's about two thousand of us, but we all work independently. So I think what you'd find booking with me, <laughs> hopefully, is that we're all quite obsessed with contacting our, being available twenty four seven for our clients. Um, and literally my phone will ring three times max I, I will answer it within that time if I'm on the phone I'll call someone straight back it's after all it's our own business it's uh, in our advantage to actually show clients that we're there for them we're not a big corporation <laughs> yeah um, and that's really good for people like like you going forward after this hopefully when this pandemic ends when it's over or when things change and we can start traveling again so you, so you mentioned obviously looking on the FCO um, website and things, and I have to say, doing a little bit of research because I am not a travel professional. It's not my, you know, career. I'm not an expert, unfortunately, even though it is obviously a passion. Hence why I have this <laughs> podcast. But I had a look, you know, and did some research of myself. If I'm not planning on traveling at the moment, but if I was to, you know, how easy it would be to navigate and I have to say it was a bit of a minefield yeah. to say the least you know and I you know I figured out you know there's there's countries you can go to and you click on that and it says no these are exempt from <laughs> the quarantine okay great and you go on and then it's like each country's of course got their different rules you need a test before like you say or you need a <laughs> different mask or that's not even on the website and you know all these kind of so yeah, it's, it is a bit of a minefield, but obviously, if you if you are looking to travel, that is the first point, port of call is to go to that website and have a look. And there there was a few kind of there were a few bits of lingo that I wondered if you could talk about. For oh yeah, example, for example, travel corridors, which obviously is a new thing. Yeah. So could you maybe explain that? So tra <laughs> travel corridors. I know it's really confusing. Um, there are a list of travel corridors. And what's confusing is that the list of travel corridors includes um, countries where you can go to on holiday or visit and come back and not quarantine. But it doesn't necessarily include countries we're allowed to go to. So sorry, it does sometimes include countries we're not, we are not allowed to go to. So what's confusing is it might say Australia on the list because people can come back from Australia and not quarantine, but we can't go to Australia. So mm. the travel corridors themselves, um, I think there is a list on the FCO website, but be careful because we can't necessarily go to those places. Mm. Um, Thailand, for instance, has just been added and Singapore, but neither Thailand or Singapore will allow us in currently. And you have to, you sort of don't realise that you can't get in unless you click through a different, yeah. few different pages. Because as always, our government websites are yeah. a bit tricky to navigate. Oh, <laughs> it's really confusing. And also, I mean, also, I don't know if you, you've looked at places like Portugal and um, now Greek islands. Uh, a few places have been added. So a few Greek islands have been added and Portugal has been added recently. 
But what you might not realise is if you look on it carefully, Madeira is not included. So you've still got on holiday to Madeira or I don't know, Athens in Greek mainland and not quarantine, but you can't go to Portugal mainland or some other Greek islands and not quarantine. So it, you do need a bit of a degree in like deciphering <laughs> to understand some of the FCO website content. Yeah, gosh, it's so tricky, isn't it? <laughs> And so I, I did a little bit of research on some Facebook travel groups about what people's kind of pain points were when it comes to traveling right now. And one of the number one things, nearly everyone said this, well, I mean, other than the people that really don't care and they just want to travel, mm-hmm. um, was the fear of the two week quarantine. And yeah. The trouble is, of course, that you can go somewhere and then literally they'll make an announcement and say you now need to quarantine. Yeah. But I, I suppose, <laughs> and I'm sure you, I'm sure you've experienced a lot of this where you've had to try and get people back immediately. Yeah. Have you had that? Yeah. Yeah. So two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago now. Um, I had two families due. So actually, probably three weeks ago now, I had two families due to go to Crete, and. The first, so we all assumed, I think most people did, that the Thursday would be an announcement of the quarantines. Um, and the Thursday came and went, and they were due to go on Saturday and Tuesday. So the Thursday came and went, and nothing was announced. It was all clear. We're like, oh, great, you can go on your holiday. Um, two families, really happy. One left Saturday morning, but then on Monday, um, I think Brunch Naps decided to do another quarantine um, uh, call out. And then he suddenly put the Greek islands, well, not all of the Greek islands, but several, including Crete, on there. So I had one family already gone on Saturday and one about to go on Tuesday morning. Obviously, the Tuesday morning one decided not to go and they got a full refund from me, um, even though the EasyJet EasyJet flights didn't cancel. Um, But the family stuck in, that went on Saturday, I had to contact them, which I did straight away, and ask them what they wanted to do. Um, They didn't have any idea what came on about the news in England. They hadn't seen it. Um, so I literally said to them, okay, you can come back tomorrow, um, but they were flying back to Bristol. So Branch Naps said they could come back before, I think, Tuesday night and not quarantine, or thereafter would be quarantined. So they only had one day to return. We looked at all the flights, none were going back to Bristol on the Tuesday. Um, and all I could find for them, and I would have organised it for them, was a flight back to Stansted. It was their decision. They decided not to come home in the end and decided to stay. Um, I think partly the fact that they had to go back to Stansted, partly the fact that the price was literally raising, rising by the minute. <laughs> um, and um, also they were enjoying themselves. They only had two days holiday and they really loved it. So they stayed. They went. They stayed. And actually, they called me the following Friday and said, we're going to extend it by a week. So their rationale was we're going to quarantine anyway. Might as well have a really good holiday. <laughs> mm, I can understand and that they're back now and they're quarantining but they just say I spoke to them since they've been back and said it was definitely worth staying um there is a big thing to consider about the FCO um so when the when Grouch Naps or the FCO announce quarantines if you've already left the country so if you're already on holiday during that your insurance is fine um the only thing you'll have to do when you get back is quarantine but as with a family who are due to go the next day if they had left, they would have no insurance. The insurance would be invalidated. So the family who were already there decided to stay and had, they had the insurance cover, etc. But they knew they would have to quarantine. But with the other family, if they had gone, they wouldn't have any insurance. So that's why they decided not to go in the end. 
Mm. And so the family that were out there when it was announced and you looked at getting them home, presumably they'd have to pay extra for those flights to come back home early. Yeah, so first of all, what I tried to do was change their existing flights on EasyJet and that would have been free. So I went to EasyJet, I spoke to EasyJet. The problem was EasyJet didn't have a flight on the Tuesday and they weren't going to put any on. So usually you'd be able to have a free change and come home. Um, EasyJet might increase the cost, but we would usually swallow that. But um, in this case, they would have had to buy a whole new ticket um, and that would be their insurance that would pay. So if it's something, if you have to buy a whole new ticket, and basically with a different airline, um, travel agents wouldn't cover that because it's entirely a new ticket. Um, but yeah, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, so that your insurance would cover that because it's like unforeseen circumstances that exactly. you would need to get back. I, and... fam- I had a family in Vietnam, sorry <laughs> to interrupt. I had a family in Vietnam that came back in March, I think I mentioned earlier. Um, and we had to get them back earlier and we changed it and took cost because it was the same airline, everything, and basically it was a package. It's there's very um it's like a very complicated T's and C's. You can change the existing booking, but buying a whole new ticket different that's insurance yeah and obviously and one thing another thing I should say as as well as booking through a travel agent is obviously insurance that's been you know really brought to people's the forefronts of people's mind how important it is whereas yeah I mean, I've always bought insurance but I know of people that haven't before because it's you know you go to Europe and you can use your um, European health card yeah. is that what it's called I can't remember the yeah E111 isn't I think E111 um, yeah thank you yeah <laughs> it's okay which so, may, might not be valid very soon <laughs> yes well yes there's that too um yeah, thank you Brexit um, yeah, yeah can't wait no I'm joking <laughs> joking <laughs> Um, so obviously, you know, that that's obviously a good thing to, to, it's important to have insurance. And I did do a little bit of research into insurance as well. And the top result that came out, I'm not going to mention their name, but they mentioned that, you know, covers COVID-19, there's cancellation cover, self-isolation, daily benefit and usual um, medical cover as well, of course. But when you delve into it, it's obviously it says you know, because it's an insurance company and they're going to yeah. pull on those little little loopholes, but it has to be safe to travel for the insurance to be valid. Yeah. So like you say, you can't just presume that just because you've got insurance that you can go when the government advice has yeah. said you cannot go. Most so. insurance is invalidated as soon as the FCO advice it. So basically it's a bit of an old-fashioned system, the FCO. Last year, <laughs> last year the Sri Lankan bombs happened. Remember last April? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah last Easter, uh, the Sri Lankan attacks happened. So the FCO advice changed and said you should not go to Sri Lanka because obviously it's very dangerous. Um, and that's why the insurance would have automatically invalidated because anyone going to Sri Lanka after then, obviously insurance wouldn't cover them if they got shot by a sniper or whatever. <laughs> um, awful. But nowadays, the FCO advice is changing so rapidly, um, it's all getting very confusing. But the insurance is a very old, old-fashioned old system where automatically insurance companies say it's invalidated. Even, so even if you get robbed while you're away, you don't have travel insurance, anything. Wow. Even if it's got nothing to do with COVID, you break your leg, you're not covered. Um, mm. So there are, though, um, so I don't know if it's a new thing or lately, but there's been a few insurance companies that have popped up who do cover against FCO advice. 
um, I can give you the names of it afterwards if you mm. want. But mm. that has also been another alternative for clients who definitely want to go against FCO advice. They have been looking at these companies. Um, but you can mention them now if you want, and then we'll okay. put links because it might be interesting for people to know. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. There is one called Battle Face. Um, so battle as in having a battle and a face <laughs> as in your face um, there's another one as well I'll try and get the names of them and send them to you because the mm. top of my head I can't remember but again we've been talking amongst ourselves because tra tribal councillors even though we work independently we're all very close to each other especially the ones locally to me um, and we have various groups where we discuss how best to do things for our clients so there's been a list of um, insurance companies that cover against FCO and I'll find them for you Mm, that'd um, be really good yeah that's okay but um going forward though what a lot of travel agencies and airlines etc are campaigning for is that um, there's a different system to this fco ban thing so i'm hoping um things will change but obviously we don't know how this virus is progressing but if it was like this summer where obviously people wanted to go away but the main thing stopping them wasn't necessarily illness it was um the fco advice then hopefully going forward there'll be more testing at airports which will yeah. stop the need for um quarantines etc but just have to watch the space and see what happens really mm, that was and i've heard you know i've done a few trip reports in the last few episodes of people that came back during covid and they said the difference between the countries and how they reacted and what they were being proactive about yeah it's just so shocking and how um I think it was Josh and Annie said that you know literally they came back to the UK after going through all these countries that people would presume would be less stringent than ours you know and they had testing and everyone was yeah. wearing a mask and everything and then they come back to the UK come back to London and they kind of get wove you know they wave a leaflet in front of them yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, that was exactly my experience going to Corfu, in fact, because, um, so Greek authorities have, you have to do this PDF, this form before you go, um, but on top of that, they had random testing. So um, I think on the form you put one person as a lead, and that would be the person who could be tested. Um, and if you were tested within 24 hours, they told you if you got COVID or not, and then they make you quarantine. Um, mm. All of this, all these forms, etc. got back to the UK. You do have to do a form when you return to the UK, but... We literally got asked if we did it and we were like, yep. And they were like, okay. <laughs> Whereas in Greece, they asked to see the PDF, they asked to see evidence. And I mean, to be fair, it's probably against our passport, I guess, if you put the information in, it might spring up on the machine. But also what I found strange in the airport here was, um, yeah, um, the conveyor belts were all mixed. It didn't matter what country you came from, etc. Which, I mean, I felt perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. Everyone had masks on, etc. And what... I don't know really what the difference is now to July. What I did see is that there are hardly any cases, etc. So I don't know if travelling didn't seem to increase cases in the UK. I don't know what's happening now. Going abroad felt safer to me than going on the train to London or something. There were just so mm. many more checks. Um, I felt, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Some countries like Cyprus demanded that you had a test anyway before you went. So yeah. And how would you do that test? You'd presumably have to do that privately. So the test, so I'd, Corfu didn't need a test, um, so I didn't need one, but I know that, um, sorry, Cyprus and, I'm trying to think top of my head, other countries, I know Dubai needs a test, but I don't think we can go there yet, um, and, and if you go on Emirates via Dubai, you also need a test, so there are a few different countries where you needed it, and you, well, 
think things have changed. I think a few people did get uh, NHS tests, but you can't do that anymore, obviously. So now you'd have to go privately. Mm. Um, and you need to get the results back within, I think you have to do it within 72 hours. So you have to do it quite close to departure. Mm. Um, that sounds quite stressful. It does. <laughs> but I do know that if you're going to Dubai, so if Dubai does open up, you do need to have a test before you go and one before you come back. But many hotels, which again, I can look into which ones, are offering a test in the hotels. And this might be something going forward where hotels or if cruise lines open up, will have to offer the test to clients rather than make them try and find it in the place they're in to come back, etc. Mm. And I suppose that would negate the quarantine as well on the way, on the way home. Yeah. The best way to get rid of quarantine really is testing. So if there's any way that people could, I know, I know, for instance, Iceland, sorry, that's another one. Iceland, they test you on arrival and they also test you a, a few days later, which isn't great if you're going for a weekend away, but it'd be good mm. for people coming back to the UK because you could easily get tested, maybe quarantine for two days and then get tested again. Mm. And, and what would... a fantastic country that is to visit anyway. <laughs> yeah, Iceland's fantastic. But um, yeah, I, I think Iceland's off limits at the moment as well, just because of this mm. testing, really. But mm. again, hopefully, we'll see what the future will hold, hopefully. Hopefully, testing mm. will just get quicker and quicker. Yeah. Um, the yeah. ideal there is a test that takes 20 minutes, you wait in the airport and go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and they'll have Good. them in all the boots and all of that. Yeah, that'd be that, amazing. That's... That would be amazing. I wish I'll send you some links for that. There are lots of people complaining for that in the travel world because ah okay yeah just just getting rid of the two week quarantine will give people customer um, confidence. Um, yes, I think currently obviously we're having a bit of a second wave. People might not want to travel right now, but if we see in a few weeks time levels going down or stabilizing, people might I don't know want to go away later in the year, and a good solution would be testing. And something that, I mean, my husband's looking at going away to Germany in October, and oh. one of his fears is that if somebody on the plane is to, comes back as positive, what happens then? Does, does then the whole, like every passenger on the plane have to quarantine? Well, interestingly, um, I need to look this up properly, but I've, I've read and I've seen quite a lot of evidence that the, the air, this is why I feel safer on a plane than a train, the air in a plane is recycled um, as in it filters through quite rapidly. So going on a plane isn't as dangerous being next to someone as being on a train. Um, and what I've, wearing a mask does protect, again, I need to check this, but I've read a lot of um, articles saying wearing a mask does protect from most uh, infections on the plane. So if he was in a, I don't know, if, you were, if your family were in the first row and the person who has coronavirus is in the last row, I don't think they'd make you quarantine. I think mm. if you're sitting right next to the infected person, they might. But again, um, I've not experienced it. I've not had a no. client be in that position yet, but no. I don't really know. But I think they look at where you're sitting. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting to know what would happen and if that's happened, really, because we don't know, do we? If that's yeah, I know in the case of the Zanti plane, again, we don't know the, the, the case of when the, is it Welsh? Welsh tourists went to Zanti and came back positive. I, d I think they did make the whole plane self-isolate, but I think that was a bit of a um, serious case where quite a few people had it. But they don't know if they brought it from where they came from, if they were all together, or if they got it in Zanti. Mm. But I do remember, I think the whole plane had to self-isolate. Mm. So that's 
obviously you're on the ball and you're looking at all these travel related articles all the time and if that's the only one that you've heard of then it sounds very unusual then yeah that's the only one I've actually heard I don't I'm trying to think of any others um there was a case of someone going to Corfu but again I don't think they made the whole plane plane self-isolate I think it was just the one person client wise no one's had to self-isolate apart from obviously because of the FCO advice Right, okay. And just because you mentioned Wales, and it just reminded me <laughs> that back to we were talking about travel corridors, and I know that, well, please correct me if I'm wrong, but from the website, from the FCA website, it said that it's different for England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. They all have different yeah. rules. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just to make it even more really confusing. confusing. So obviously, if you are looking to go somewhere, then you need to look for your prospective country and not yeah. just the UK. Generally, most countries follow each other within the United Kingdom. So I think, yeah, it's really confusing. Scotland's got a blanket ban on the whole of Greece, whereas England's only got on seven countries, and sorry, seven islands, and um, Wales has got a different seven islands. <laughs> well, some of them overlap, but not all of them. So yeah, totally wow. what you just said. Yeah, exactly. So exactly what you just said. You have to look at your specific, well, where you're, not just where you're flying from, where you're going back to. So yeah. Yeah, really okay. confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you just wanted to talk about or mention? Um, just to say, again, yeah, try and support your local travel agent. Um, a lot of us, like me, we're not going anywhere because we're self-employed. We're definitely going to be around. Um, but just any any questions, any, and if anyone's confused about anything, just, yeah, contact one of us. Um, feel free to contact me because... We do have some information, more information maybe you can have at your fingertips. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, we want our clients to be safe. But also, there are many people like myself who miss going abroad. And it's not, it's not a question of safety versus need. I mean, there are ways to travel safely, definitely. And I'll put all your links, of course, in the show notes as well. And um, if you follow me on Instagram, which is at Trip Report Podcast, I'll put Michelle's information in the stories as well. So you can have a little look there. So be sure not to miss out on that. And yes, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been really great chatting to you. You've given us loads of great information uh-huh. and places to look at for next year. And obviously reiterated how important it is to have the correct insurance and to use the right travel agent, really. Yay, come to me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's been lovely talking to you, Emma. Um, And yeah, obviously any questions, anyone can give me a shout. Brilliant. Thank you. So how's the best way to find you, Michelle? Oh, I am on several different platforms. Um, I'm on Instagram, if you want my details. It's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E underscore murray m-u-r-r-a-y and then tc tc um and that's my instagram but i've also i'm always accessible by phone or email you can contact me michelle.murray at travelcouncillors.com i'll put the links to your email and your instagram of course as well so everyone can find you thank you brilliant thanks for all that amazing information and um hopefully we can travel again soon yeah fingers crossed oh it's been lovely speaking to you thank you I was so pleased to have Michelle agree to come on the podcast. I hope you got lots of useful information from her being on. It's a crazy time at the moment, and to be honest, it's not easy having a travel podcast when no one's really travelling. 
I did, of course, start this podcast during lockdown and the pandemic, but at the time, like everyone, I had no idea how long this would be going on for back in June. I hope that the episodes are still inspiring your future plans and that you're enjoying hearing about amazing journeys, even if you can't actually go on any at the moment. On the next episode, I chat with Suzanne about her recent trip to Italy during COVID and all that entailed. How different did she find it to her usual Italy visits and what little gems did she find during her trip? So until next time, travel well and travel safe.